welcome back to another episode of 52 and 52, a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and record an episode about it. Today, Josh and I are going to be talking about a new movie called Wind River, uh, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, someone that Josh and I both uh, really liked his first two movies that he's been a part of, um, Sicario and Hell or High Water, which came out uh, what three years ago and, and a year ago no, two years uh, ago. for those two. Well, Sicario was only two years ago. Yeah, 2015. That's when we. That was our first podcast ever. I remember. I didn't. I guess we've been doing. Damn, we've been doing this for two years, huh? That's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. So the movie's called Wind River. It stars Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner mostly. Um, and it's sort of. I, I, I'm looking at the the description now, and it says that it's a chilling thriller that follows a rookie FBI agent, and which is a fact I didn't actually get from the movie. I didn't know that she was a rookie FBI agent, but maybe I missed that part. Um, and basically, Elizabeth Olsen goes to this. Uh, were they Wyoming? I think. Yeah, it's an Indian reservation in Wyoming. Yeah, she goes to this Indian reservation in Wyoming to investigate uh, what we think is a murder of this local um, Native American girl. And Jeremy Renner, I guess, works for the reservation, kind of? He essentially works for their equivalent of fish and wildlife as like a hunter that stops the area from getting overpopulated by certain animals. Yeah, and that's sort of his role, and he gets dragged into this as like— He knows the the land. so. The only other white person Elizabeth Olsen can connect with during the film, and uh, and it goes from there. Um, so I guess you've you've seen this movie way longer ago than I have. So why don't you start with what you thought, etc. I was going to make you start for the exact same. Okay, reason. I mean I can start. I don't care. Yeah, I want because you might refresh my memory on some stuff. Yeah, and talk about um, your, your initial thoughts. So Josh told me. I think you told me that you saw the movie or going to see the movie, and I honestly hadn't even heard about it yet. Um, and I actually, then I started seeing some people on Twitter talking about it and talking about how it would kind of add this like white saviory attitude towards native Americans and, uh, some other like drama going on with it. Um, and I feel like we've had this discussion plenty of times on this podcast with different movies, whether it's African Americans or Hispanics or Asians, whatever it is. Um, I, and I, I mean, honestly, I went to the movie, I didn't even see a trailer for it so i sort of just knew what it was about based on what josh had said and what i'd read on on twitter um i think that it's i think that it's a good movie i think that it has strong writing especially like i think taylor sheridan is really really good at writing um i can see where the white savior stuff comes from for sure uh i definitely think that there could have been some more emphasis on like native american actors or sort of like their presence in all this because it ultimately sort of ends up this like strangely like the story is strange in the sense of like it's like so terrible it's like why would someone write this like that this crime has to be solved like because it's like pretty brutal and like pretty like fucked up all around from like all the different sides of it and and it definitely gets a little bit deeper than uh than it is on the surface uh to me the movie sort of dragged for maybe like the first like 40 minutes or so uh, and then it got to be a little bit more interesting for me. And I mean, I like the movie. Uh, I think it's really well written, but I can see why people have problems with it. Yeah. So my thing was when you mentioned the the white savior thing, I I think I told you, well, you're you're not wrong if you say it's a white savior movie. But the problem is, uh, and it's an unfortunate problem. We should have more Native American actors. Is that like, yeah. the, the movie doesn't get made in the first place if you don't put two Avengers in it. 
You know, sure. it's like it's a like it's such a it's like a smaller movie that's not going to have a big marketing budget, and they want to get it made, and they'll probably only got the eleven million dollar budget to go shoot out in the wilderness because they knew getting two Avengers would at least probably guarantee them that to make that money back. And yeah. like, what what person are you, if you're going to put a Native American person in the lead or something like what actor is going to? Unfortunately, this isn't. That's not how it should be. But that's just like kind of a yeah. part of the reality of it. And I was yeah. still happy with it in that it. Um, there probably could have spent more time with some of the Native American characters. Maybe there could have been like there could have just been another guy who was like there with them. Like it could have yeah. been so like he he could have had some car and like I guess that police chief um, it was guess, sort of in sort of Native role. American and he was there some and I and that guy was fine. But like he, he there could have even been more of him because I mean I never seen that actor before, but I think yeah. he was pretty good. And yeah. there could have just been another one hanging out with the two of them, and the movie wouldn't have been any worse if you just wrote a good character. And that's probably the most legitimate criticism of it, I would say. But I thought that it still did a pretty good job of depicting these Native American people as human, which is part of what yeah, I like about it. Because too often when you think about movies and the way you see Native Americans depicted there, or, or in TV shows, they're one, running casinos, or two, they're your typical stereotype person wearing feathers and war paint. So I think – and I, I couldn't think of that many other movies where it's like depicted what it would be like to just be a modern Native American person that has a family and has a regular life. And I mean you saw these people – you saw these families going through some very, very, very rough times. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner, the family he's married into has already lost a kid, and now he's spending time with his other family that just lost a kid. So it's mm -hmm. like you're not seeing – and someone's family that he knows growing like living on the reservation with his ex-wife. Yeah, and so you like I just think you see these people as people more so than I've ever seen Native Americans as regular modern people in a recent film. So I give it sure. some credit for doing that and depicting these people with some sympathy. Yeah, um, it, a lot of the movie sort of I, I got some Fargo vibes from it too, in sense of like how they used the Native American character in Fargo and sort of like the the snowy background and uh, sort of, you know, murderous, et cetera, and mysterious stuff. Um, I guess it's interesting because uh, one thing that I – one criticism I think I can make of the movie is some of it was a little bit convenient in the sense of sort of how Jeremy Renner's character is written and how he sort of fits into Elizabeth Olsen's like investigation and the murder. And it's like – you know what I mean? Because like he has like these personal ties to it and it ends up being like very similar to like his daughter and everything like that. His daughter and just happens to be best friends with the girl. Yeah, with the girl that's murdered. And it's like it's a little bit too convenient for me. And then they have the typical like scene where Jeremy Renner's drinking and sort of like spills the beans on why he's like into the investigation because his daughter died. And it's I mean, just like, like that was somewhat predictable, but I was still like relieved after that scene because they didn't have him hook up. And I was like worried that was going to oh, happen. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I honestly, you know what? I didn't even think about that as it was going on, but I'm very, oh, I was, I was like scared to death that was going to happen. So when that didn't happen, I was like, all right, cool. That, that, that avoided like one predictable cliche. Sure. Thing. So now I'm not going to get too hung okay. up on anything else. That, that was kind of okay. my feeling as that scene happened. That um, makes sense because I was just, like, hanging out this like why, I was like, why is she at his cabin late at night? Like, what other reason yeah. could there be for this? Like, that's yeah. why I was, like, really worried that was going to happen. Um, okay. That, that definitely makes sense. I was just – I was more, like, locked into, like, oh, uh, now we have to hear no, this. I got like, you. Like, you knew, yeah. that, you knew that was coming. But, I mean, like, yeah. at least he thought he delivered it fine. I mean, he's an actor yeah. you don't typically care for. Did, what did you think yeah. of him? Uh, I thought he was pretty good. I was just, like – it was just a little, like, strange, like – seeing all these native americans around him and him being like i'm one of you the, <laughs> yeah him being like i'm one of you and like sort of just 
I don't know. He's like, like taking the honor flag for like the native Americans. And like, everyone is telling him like, you don't like, you're not going to find the answers you're looking for. If you help this FBI lady, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, maybe he just isn't looking to find the answers, but then he's like, yes, I'm looking to find the answers basically. And that part is a little bothersome, but as an actor, I think that he did well. And part of it, I think is Taylor Sheridan is just really good at writing characters yeah, and definitely. I mean, but he, he still, he still definitely pulled it off. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with you as far as like the the first half of the movie, and that it maybe takes a little bit to get going. And I guess you can't expect every movie to just be like Sicario and grab you by the collar and not let you go all the way throughout. He 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 wanted to do something a little different. And I mean, I think he, yeah, it was kind of slow, but at least kind of set the scene for just like how s- slow and depressing that reservation kind of is. And then, and yes. then and then it gets going. And I mean, and there's a few sequences in this movie that are that rival what you get in like in some of those sequences in Sicario. There's not a, I mean, there's like the bank robbery scene and there's like the shootout in hell or high water, but for the most part, there's not the same set pieces in that movie. That might be a more complete story and have some other rewarding aspects. This doesn't have, but here there's, there's a, there's a, there's like a, there's a couple different sequences where he shows that like, I mean, I mean like that, I mean, Denny Villeneuve is a great yeah. director and I mean, I'd say he was able to pull off a couple sequences in this movie that rival Sicario and it, while it might For not sure. be as intense throughout, like there's still some really well done stuff later on in this movie. Sure. And, and I don't think this movie is trying to be you know, like Sicario from the get go is trying to rival your heart, like get your heart going and try to maintain that pace throughout. And this movie is clearly, like you said, told in a more reserved manner and it sort of mimics like reservation and sort of feeling of living there and in Wyoming and in the snow all the time and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean some of those, uh, some of the set pieces at the end and like sort of like the latter, like third of the movie were very strong and very like not, not predictable and just like uniquely shot and uniquely, uh, fit in with the story that he's telling. Like in some ways, even though it's a totally different scene, that scene where they first arrive what 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 do those people do for a job? Like, are they they're like power maintenance workers, or what the hell do they do? I think they were like working on some oil rig or something. I'm not sure. So they go to this right? compound like, that they live on, and it's so uncomfortable at first. And then they all kind of yeah. become suspicious of each other. And the way that builds, I mean, in a kind of in a way, reminded me of the border scene in Sicario. Just sure. like that, it kind of ramped up and it started out calm, and then you could just feel a building, even though it's like it, obviously one involves a lot of cars and people running on a bridge, and this is involved people like walking in a big yeah. group and it still somehow built yeah. that tension, which I think yeah. shows that he has some talent when it comes to just moving a camera as a director, yeah. you know, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, not sure. I mean, we can talk, I want, I want to talk a little bit about the end so we can do a small spoiler scene. The one other thing I want to say before we get to that and you can add anything you have is that I thought, I, mean, I thought the movie looked pretty cool. I mean, it's yes. a movie like, I mean, like, I think they might have actually filmed in Utah, if I remember correctly. But, I mean, like, I don't know how many movies you see that have this kind of uh, um, setting. I mean, like, The Revenant was all kind of snowy. And trying to think of what other movies I've seen that have kind of pulled that off in the last yeah. couple of years. It was actually shot by, funny enough, Ben Richardson, who um, – most important thing about him is that he uh, <laughs> d- dates Anna Kendrick. Second thing <laughs> is that – he did you ever see Beasts of the Southern Wild? Uh, negative. Yeah, you know, it's a movie from 2012, but that was like that first time director, and it was shot all in like the South Louisiana and about poor people in like South Louisiana, really poor people in modern day Southern Louisiana. And this, this five year old girl, Clavenza Hay Wallace, got the Academy Award nominee. Like that was an amazing, beautiful movie shot by Ben Richardson. And then he just like went for like four years and started shooting all of Joe Swanberg's movies. Okay. And like so, it's like 
you know you know what those movies are. It's like it doesn't take like a the same level of cinematography to, sh- hand, sure. to, to shoot like something in like the Bayou of Louisiana, or and then he shoots this, and then all of a sudden he does this movie out of nowhere, where it's like again like kind of on that level, of doing really wide sweeping outdoor shots. And I don't know, I just thought it looked really cool. And um, one other thing I'll say is like uh, we mentioned her a little bit. Like I I thought. I mean, I thought I liked Elizabeth Olsen in this. Some people didn't like. I mean, I think that's a pretty hard part to pull off to be like that kind of that y- young, wide-eyed FBI agent girl and not seem like a total kind of cliche. And I don't know. I thought it was pretty hard material, and she did pretty good with it. Yeah, I think that she did pretty good. And but I think part I, I think sort of Jeremy Renner's part is much more meaty than her part. Oh, for sure. And it's a little bit disappointing. Just because of how strong I know Sheridan can write, but now that I think of it, like I don't think Heller did Heller High Water have like a important female it, character. Yeah, I don't think there was a single one in that movie, was there? Well, I mean, like there was um, no that Katie Mixon was like the waitress in the diner at that one scene, and then there was but the Chris Pine's ex-wife, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm thinking of Sicario too because it, it's interesting because I I just think that I think Elizabeth Olsen's character was written a little too much like oh I don't know how to do my job a little bit kind of way in, instead of like I, mean, I think she knew how to do her job but this was just like she was like I I, I just happened to be in Vegas for training and I was like the only person near here and it's like, sure this is like they kind of say like this is an idea like I've done a lot of stuff but I've never like handled something like this on my own it's like. I think it was – I thought they made it clear. It's like she's not inept, but this is just like the FBI is kind of fucked up by not having another person that they could send. And it's like any young any young agent would kind of be in, in under their head in this situation as long as she's like some helpless girl. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying she's completely helpless, but I think that it's maybe written a little too much where she has to rely on Jeremy Renner to sort of like save her as well yeah. from like uh, – whatever bullshit is going on mm-hmm. um because he like physically saves her like twice and then sort of is like didn't she she's did, he's like the only reason that she survives did she um, save him at one point too like when she had that shootout at the like the trailer was that no he that? saved she, her she, she, well she killed that guy but that yeah. wasn't like a okay i can't remember yeah. okay gotcha yeah um and it, it like i'm trying to think back of emily blunt's character and sicario because they're like, because you brought up the border patrol scene, and that scene is shot like, and she's super flustered while she's sitting in the car, and all this action is going on, and clearly she knows how to do her job. But then they also like right at the end when when Barenthal comes in and Sicario, spoiler alert, and she sort of gets taken advantage of again, and it's so maybe in the future I would hope that he would maybe write a more empowering role. But I think that Elizabeth Olsen was good, and I think we talked about her on Ingrid Goes West when we did that podcast too. Yeah. Um, I, I like her. I, I think she's she's a good actress aside from that stupid movie she did with Oscar Isaac. I still never saw that one, but you guys <laughs> – you and Rachel haven't exactly made me like excited to see it, so probably not going to happen. The, the other thing is I mean, I don't know if that Taylor Sheridan writing a strong female character might not happen um, soon because like she's – Emily Blunt's not in the Soldado, the Sicario sequel – so I don't yeah. really think they ca- I don't think they cast like another like big time like actress in that yet. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But like I mean, we do agree that he's like good at writing. So um, hopefully like he finds like he starts maybe he'll. I mean, it seems like I, I think I listened to an interview with him where he's like kind of like saw this as like doing three westerns and then he might move on and try and do something else. So maybe maybe he maybe the next thing he does will just be totally different and be cool to see how his style of being able to be a writer trans just ends up being something different. You know? You know? Sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, so I think we're going to do some spoilers now for yeah. Wind River. Okay, yeah. so we'll take like a five-second break, and then we're going to do spoilers for this movie. All right, so spoilers, Wind River. What what part do you want to talk about? Just the end? Burnthal. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy. <laughs> so that was that was a pretty cool trick in the script. I thought how they you're just assuming this guy's going to be like the worst and just like be like an abusive boyfriend and a rapist and like and I I bet John Burnthal could play the hell out of a character like that as uh and just be like totally nasty and disgusting. But instead, he like I mean, still a little creepy because he's John Burnthal and the girl's 18 in the movie. But like at least she's 18 and he actually seems like a legitimately good guy. And that was just kind of a cool thing how like it didn't like. Because, like, it wasn't, like, a last-second pull-the-rug-out from under you. It was more of a flashback. It didn't feel like you were really cheated because these characters that are trying to surmise everything about this guy throughout, they're just working with the information they have, you know? It's not like they're, like, purposely hiding information from the audience. It's just they set the movie up this way, and it's—so it's like this Burnthal gets to play, like, someone totally surprising, and it doesn't feel like they're just pulling the rug out from under you and just, like, totally just trying to pull a gotcha. That's just, like, a a cool turn that the script made, and I thought that was cool, and and he played that kind of character pretty well for the short time you got to do it and it was sort of a flip the script from sicario too right mm-hmm. where he is playing like the guy who's trying to take advantage of the girl but he's charming at and first at sicario yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah um but yeah no i was i was really surprised and i was happy uh i, I think he was great for like the five minutes he was yeah. in the movie honestly i'd forgotten he was in it i mean you probably didn't even know he was in it um yeah i had no like i had remembered seeing him in the script and i just like and I, I wasn't even like thinking, oh, that's going to be the character he's playing until like you showed up in that scene. Like I, I had looked yeah. at the ca- cast at some point and then just I, I knew in my head at one point he had been in, but I started watching the movie and I totally forgot about him. So it was really cool just to see him pop up like that. Yeah, and I think that the flashback was a good like little plot device, not plot device, but like a uh, movie device that he used to sort of tell the story that we wouldn't otherwise have seen. Because like it's like. That's a cooler way of doing it than like something like Hateful Eight, where we don't like the second half of that movie because they like they tell you exactly what it is, you know, like yeah. and then it's just they show you it, and it's like I don't know, I, I like these actors and whatever in the Hateful Eight, but it's you literally had these characters explain exactly what happened before they got to the haberdashery, and then all right, we're gonna spend the next hour showing you exactly what they said. Here it's yeah. a cool twist on that kind of idea because, like I said, characters don't actually know; they think they know, and then we get to see some version of that play out, and it's a it's a different way of doing that, and I appreciated it. Yeah, and and it was super tense with uh, when they're walking up to the trailer, and the guy yells at him to stop surrounding him, and then they all cool their shit, and they go to the trailer, and you think that everything's going to be fine. And it's interesting because he's like, yeah, the guy's definitely in there, and it's like, well. Why isn't he coming? Why in? is he? Well, well, yeah, why isn't he coming to the door? But you're also like, it's it's almost too strange that this guy is letting them talk to him, and they're letting him go to the trailer. It would be more a cliche movie to just be like no i don't know that person no i don't know i don't know where he lives you know what i mean yeah yeah. and and they sort of flip the script on that a little bit and uh it's really well done the way they they start that sequence off with him sort of hey there's a police person right in front of your Mm -hmm. door etc and and it's really good writing um yeah i i I thought that was a a really really good like 20 minutes of Mm -hmm. of the film yeah that was good the only other thing i really want to talk about at the end was i wasn't totally sure how i felt about um jeremy renner just uh leaving the or leaving the rapist guy out there to like go freeze himself to death not that i don't think that person was capable of like having someone die like that but more than like how elizabeth olsen was kind of cool with it after and she was like okay i guess you did what you had to do because like why 
Well, earlier in the movie, she got like really mad when he like questioned someone not in her presence. So it seems like they're trying to set her up as being someone that was by the book, whereas he's not really having yeah. to adhere to FBI rules, so he'll do whatever the fuck he wants. But yeah. then when he's just like, yeah, I just kind of let him go out there to freeze to death and didn't actually like bring him in like a regular person. Like I thought she would have been kind of mad about that, that he didn't like bring him in to like sit for trial or something. You know? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that they had a conversation where he was like, because remember when he saves her uh after the shootout and he's like she's like go after him don't worry about me and he's like well if i go after him like he's not coming back and she's like okay and i think uh, it's just sort of the progress of like going through the traumatic shit which we've seen in movies with police or whatever law figures where they sort of have to make this decision of like let this uh in between guy go take care of the bad guy and we'll sort of like look past it because it's like the quote unquote the right thing to do mm. um but jeremy renner i mean he doesn't really feel <laughs> like obliged to her like rule of law he's more like worried about his friend and like getting justice right and i guess i just answers did, and shit yeah i guess i just didn't remember them having that exchange because like i mean i guess i didn't specifically remember or take that exchange to mean that at the time because that was like sure. one of the things that bothered me it was like oh this is kind of weird that she's like doesn't seem more upset about him doing it that way but like I I personally was like, all right, cool, whatever. He's a rapist. I'm not going to shed a tear myself. But I just yeah. thought I just thought she would have been upset about it. But I guess she, I don't know. But I mean, other than that, like I mean, I thought it was a uh, pretty. I mean, that that talk about more good, cool looking shots. They shot that right at the top of the mountains, essentially, with all the snow, mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool. And then they, uh, um, and then I mean, he had a nice moment at the end with the with the girl's father. I mean, that kind of ends there. And yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, I. Yes, you could have had more of a Native American presence within the cast, but I mean, I thought that they at least had these guys have like a meaningful conversation at the end, and um, yeah. you you might be able to speak to more any more of that that you feel like because I can't really recall a lot of the specifics of it, but I remember it feeling like a nice moment. So, yeah, no, everything you said is right. It it actually is funny. It gave me very um, like Mark Wahlberg shooter type vibes That's for the deep- last like. That's a 30 deep, minutes. That's a deep cut, and I don't think I've seen that movie in like eight You've never years. seen Shooter? No, in, eight, in like eight years. I, I don't Shooter, re- I, Shooter's a legitimately good movie. No, I just don't remember like what happens at the end, like specifically yeah. you'd be referring to, but I take your word for it. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's a good movie. Uh, looking forward to whatever else Taylor Sheridan is doing, because if he can make me like Jeremy Renner for a movie, then he's doing something right. Well, the Sicario sequel's next year, so... Uh, okay. Um... We'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's I mean, it's none of the same people involved really, besides him and Josh Brolin and Benicio and some of the producers. So, I mean, no, no Roger Deakins, no Denny Villeneuve, no Emily Blunt, no. I, I think I think a different guy's doing the score too. So, I mean, I I, mean, I, I, have, I have confidence he'll write a good script, and hopefully the rest of it comes together. You know. Yeah, hopefully it's not like corny and overproduced but with sequels these days who will uh as we're about to talk about kingsman too we, we never know yeah, um yeah. but uh if you guys want to talk to us about wind river josh where can they find you on twitter josh jernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y i'm at a clambake a-k-l-a-m-b-a-k-e our podcast twitter is 52 and 52 pod podcast emails 52 and 52 pod at gmail.com thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time